Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Myself and Simon returned alongside Martin O'Neill as Scotland secured their spot at Euro 2024. How can they make this the norm? There was also time to catch up on the FA's decision not to light Wembley's arch. Will football regret its decision to involve itself in geopolitical issues in the past? Plus, after KSI and Tommy Fury broke records on Saturday night, how damaging could its success be for the traditional sport of boxing? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. So I walk in and I think, who's this walking towards me, this clean-shaven, fresh-faced individual? And it's Lord Simon Jordan looking well. How have mm-hmm. you been? Oh, good, mate. Good, yeah? mate. Yes. Flew back in last night to the for, for, to a very different temperature than the one I'd experienced in the last week. Where were you in Spain? Um, I was in in between Marbella, where I've lived for twenty years, in <coughs> Granada, which is a beautiful part of Spain. So I was up there. Beautiful. Yes, and w- very nice. And Martin and Neil and Jim White didn't get the invite to go and join them, did we, Martin? No, no. I was expecting you would have got one. Me, I have no chance of me getting one. You well, guys were busy at the Boxing Writers yeah. events, we, weren't you? We were. Uh, Martin and Neil guest speaker at the Boxing Writers dinner in the Savoy. You did well, Mister O'Neill. I enjoyed it. Well, it's very kind of you, Jim. That's not what I heard you said uh, to your to your uh, fellow table members. Not at uh, all. Uh, it was it, it was tough, you know. There were about four hundred odd people there, and I suppose the, the 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 thing that I think that the boxing fans are are considering and wondering about what is a, a what is a football player and eventual manager actually coming to a boxing do and speaking at their particular function. So, And I thought about that myself. But I do love the boxing. I yeah. genuinely do love it. And um, the interest had, uh, had really um, had been spawned really by my, uh, by my father way back who uh, uh, had a great interest. We had no, te- no, te- no te- television in the 50s. And uh, so we used to be listening to him and Andrews all the boxing commentaries coming through. My father was the first one to tell me about the unbelievable fight in 1927 between uh, Gene Tunney and um, Jack Dempsey, Jack Dempsey yeah. fighting for the world title where Dempsey knocked Tunney down, stood over him. The rules were around about changing at that time and 
and the referee didn't start the count until uh, until Dempsey had moved away. Yeah. I can which... tell you what, I would much prefer to have listened to Martin speak than that dreadful toot that I had the misfortune of stumbling across Saturday night because one of my friends flicked on the TV and there was a, those village idiots pretending to be boxers. KSI, oh, KSI. And Tommy Fury oh, yeah. and, and yeah. Slim and Salt Papa or whatever it was. What the hell in God's name am I watching here? Yeah. And all these gurning idiots like Cully Sowland at the front and Eddie Hearn all going, oh, money, yeah. money. It's Awful. boxing, but I'd much rather really listen it. to that. Yeah, yeah, but you watched it. You watched no, the no, KSI I watched thing, about five you? minutes of it. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. watch any more. Couldn't watch any more of it. It was pure. Mark, was it, it very well. I mean, you, yeah. you were speaking to some audience, incidentally. Frank Bruno was there. John Conti was. Yeah. How good was John Conti, incidentally, yeah, with his speech? Terrific. Absolutely terrific. Yeah, it was great. He was, su- great. he was a superstar in his time. John yes, Conte, he was. Honestly, he was a few superstar. superstars were yeah. there on the night. I really enjoyed it. And Martin, you did do well. Uh, and I was backing you all the way. We're streaming live on YouTube and Facebook. If you want to watch the show, you can head over to the official Talksport channel on those platforms. So, Simon, while you were sunning yourself in Spain and Martin and I were back here, Scotland have only gone and done it, qualified for back-to-back Euros, yes. uh, which is terrific without kicking a ball. But here's the thing, and I know you'll give it, all right, calm down, you're celebrating qualification. Yes. And you'd be right to say that. Yes. But how does qualification to major tournaments become the norm? for a nation like Scotland, or even for a nation like the Welsh, who are still pushing there to go? Well, uh, Scotland specifically, punch your weight. I mean, let's have it right. You've qualified from a group where Cyprus are 126th in the world, Georgia are 76, who such luminaries as El Salvador in front of them, um, and Norway are 43rd. You're 34th in the world. The populations of Cyprus are 1.2 million. The population of Georgia is 3.7. The population of Norway... You've got, you've got every aspect of football history, of football heritage, of population, of the scale of your performances in the world rankings. You should be qualifying from these groups because you've set, managed to set yourself a low standard over the years and achieved it doesn't mean it should be the perpetuation of that. Do you know what? Even this early in the proceedings, I'm absolutely with him. Mm. We should be qualifying, Martin. He's right. We should be qualifying for for the finals of the Euros. Oh, well, that is true. And But it's not, a, it's not a real surprise to me. You consider now at this minute that Scotland do possess some quality players who are playing in the big league. That's that. And I think that is the big thing. Yeah. You know, if you're considering Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland... They don't have that many players playing in the in in the in the major mm, league. Mm. What about the Welsh? I mean, Neil Mooney, chief exec of the Welsh FA, said last week automatic qualification was the target, and there would be a review after the final match against Turkey next month. Regards. Rob Page. Now, I think the players proved last night against Croatia, we're doing it for the manager. We're doing it for him. We're behind him. Very much so. Listen, everybody has to go and review after after a competition has just ended. You know, they, that, that's that's the norm. You'd have to, you have to have a look at it and see, see how you might be able to improve. If you've qualified, then there's a fantastic feeling, a real feel-good factor about it all. Yeah. But that, that's inevitable. So I wouldn't read too much into that there. But Wheels, again, getting back in the last number of years, you know, have done exceptionally well. Mm. Exceptionally yeah. well. So yeah. again, there's probably an expectation there about Wheels. Well, last night, actually, Martin, on that, Rob Page virtually said, post-match, yeah, they, they've done it because they're with me. Action speaks louder than words, and that's it. We don't need it. I'm, I'm sick and tired of keep coming on. I'm at the talk about my future and let's just talk about the lads and the performances young JJ young JJ's played like he's you know a 30 year old experienced professional against the best midfield in world, world football incredible I'm so proud of them like I said it's uh, I get emotional at times because I'm, I'm you know I'm just proud of them and they deserve all the points they're going to get tonight now Martin that comes amidst reports that Roy Keane 
was wanted by the Welsh FA to become their new manager in the summer. I mean, can you read anything into that? Could you see that? In in, in the summertime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. La, la, la. Roy Keane, was, his name was thrown in right. during the summer there, the summer past, that uh, he could be the man to take over the Welsh. If Page, if it continued to misfire under Page. Well, I don't know anything about that, I must admit. Mm. Genuinely don't. Um, I suppose you're looking at the wider question. Perhaps maybe would uh, would um, would Roy go back into management again? I haven't spoken to him for some time on that subject. We we uh, we were um, we went to a function in um, or a, a football game, a charity football game for Stylian Petrov in Sofia, but um, but his um, his ex sorry his um, his talk about going back into uh, football management never occurred at that time. Has so he still I, got a lot uh, to offer, Martin, in the dugout? My my view, which is probably different to Simon's, is that I do, I think that. I know and I've worked with him. I don't pretend to know Roy fantastically well. We did, we had a, a number of years together. But that was, remember, international football. So we're meeting up for a little while. Um, mm. And then, and then um, uh, disappearing for quite some considerable time. Then we would have, generally would meet up in the Midlands uh, for, for meetings and things like this here. But overall, um, I, f- I felt, I definitely felt that he had something to offer. I thought he did terrifically well at, uh, at Sunderland. Um, and then obviously Ipswich was a, a difficult proposition. But I felt that he did have something there that, uh, to, to go you back to. You think that Simon, he's still got something to offer in the dugout? I don't know. I mean, I'm, in a, I'm a Roy Keane admirer mm. in lots of ways. I'm not entirely sure, present company excluded, that I appreciate the company that he keeps. Um, but notwithstanding that, in terms of Gary Neville and that Motley crew, but I do think that he is an interesting observer of the game. I do think as a player, he was a unique phenomenon. As a manager, I think he was a mixed bag. To me, he felt like a little bit one-dimensional, but that's the outside looking in. And if you look at the fact domestically he hasn't managed for 12 years, it's very difficult to argue for him to be in an international framework on the back of the body of work that he's done. I mean, Wells is a certain setup. I I wouldn't have been advocating for him to go into Wells, but going to the prince to, to the, the centre of what Martin's the uh, view of my view on of him is, I think he's an outstanding leader. Mm. I didn't think it translated into football management, and I don't know why. And that might be because of the characteristics that we saw on the on the pitch. And the intolerance or the, the the preparedness not to to accept lower standards. I don't know. Martin can speak to that more mm-hmm. more specifically because he worked with a fella. Surely yeah. there, well, surely he's a yeah. shoe in for the Irish. Get, get, Steve, it, I mean, Stephen Kenny sorry. can't survive, right. can he, Martin? Just getting back to the point about Roy for a for a second or two. Yeah, um, yeah, he did. He did have exacting standards. No question about. It. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that that is part of his makeup. as part of the, the drive. Part of the determination about himself. And uh, and obviously a massive leader on the football pitch, no question about it. He drove that Manchester United side on for Absolutely. years and years. Absolutely. I mean, they had great, great players, great players playing on their side. But would they have achieved all of that there? You know, without the, the, the combination of a phenomenal manager and a phenomenal captain, I'm not so sure. Hmm. You know, it is it is that driving force. So okay, so you, you've done that there as a player. You take a, you take some things into into management there. Roy Keane, Roy Keane adapted. He de- definitely adapted in management. He, it wasn't it wasn't a charge, a bully, a, a bullet a gate every single minute. You know, and and sometimes you do get these reputations, and they're hard they're hard to shift. And Roy Roy, when I when I was in conversation with him, and we'd be talking about the game. He was articulate. He knew the game. He knew the game inside out. 
and this idea we did we did have the occasional laugh about the new the new sentences the new the new phrases that were coming into the game you know right. the high press right. the low block right. all that type of stuff right so why you, why do you keep saying right Jim? are you waiting for uh, for something else to be said there or, or well, I'm going to push you on this situation right, with okay. Ireland Ireland second bottom from uh, group B one win from okay. six five defeats Stephen Kenny on the brink if he's not he should be Roy Keane surely a shoe in is he well, not um I think that he would be uh, he would be in consideration for the job if it were to come around I think in terms of uh, the results of the Republic of Ireland have been, I have to say this, really poor. And this is coming from a manager who managed the, 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 the side. Why well, Why do you think he should be considered Martin? Because you like him? Because you've worked with him? No, what, because, what is it about him that you say, after 12 years of not domestically managing, hmm. not being hugely successful hmm. in dugouts alongside other people, present company okay. accepted... Hmm. What is it besides that that makes you think, oh, I tell you what, here's the guy that's going to fix the malaise at Republic of Ireland. I, I get the, the argument about Stephen Kenny, okay. and I get your rancor yeah. about those situations, <laughs> right. but well, let's my, have it right. My, yeah, yeah, my rancor is definitely there. Yeah. Very, very strong about that. But, um, right, here's what I think. Would the, the fans would love him, no? Oh, well, this is the whole point. I think that that is absolutely right. Ryan, remember... In Saipan in 2002, he definitely divided opinion in the country. You know, people thought that uh, he should never have walked away. Other people thought that it was the right thing to do because the Republic of Ireland had not planned it properly and that everything should have been a bit more professional. That's, that's gone now. Roy has done that. He's been the assistant manager. He knows, he knows these players. He goes to a lot of football matches still. And he knows the players. So, now, you're talking about, you're talking about management, at the international management per se, is totally and utterly different to club management in the sense that you have worked with the players for two or three days. This idea that you're going to get, you're going to change the way that players play and the way that, the, that you know, you're going to get them to control the ball and pass it and pass it. It's an absolute I myth. I get that, but it's why the man. What? Uh, well, why not? Why not? Why would, why could he not exert that sort of passion that I believe that the Republic of Ireland probably need again? And would he, would he have... Would, would he so have is a, the sole functionality of a manager to be a rah-rah deliverer at the international no, level to, to engender this, you know, tally-ho sort of mentality? That's part of it. That is part of the job. There's no but it has question. To be bigger than that. Well, of it? course, yeah. I mean, you have to be tactically aware. Yeah. I think in the game, absolutely. Yeah. And the most important thing, Simon, I believe, uh, for for uh, for a manager of a so-called minnow team, minnow mm-hmm. side, in the sense that yeah, yeah. Republic of Ireland probably shouldn't be, is the ability within those couple of days to get players get your message who, to get play. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, get the message across. Two, do the work with them in terms of set pieces and things that you said you think you might be able to get some sort of an advantage. And the third and most important thing. Is to get players who are probably playing on a lower level, you know, to believe that they can be. Is he the sort of person be? that can bring... Sorry. I mean, he seems to me like an island in his own right. Is he the sort of person that brings people with him? Because I feel, looking at him from the outside in, he's the person that does the polar opposite. Like, the standards. We all know that standards need to be upheld sometimes. But sometimes you have to accept what's in front of you and make the very best of it. Mm-hmm. And that means with the players that you're playing with, the circumstances you find yourself in. And you should hold people to account. But for me, going back to the original okay. Genesis, does he bring people with him or does he alienate? Oh, well... I I think that I think that the great great managers do bring a lot of people he's with them. He's not a them. great great manager, a, is he? Wait a minute. Um, yes. Well, just let me finish my point. Cool. All right. Okay. So, 
But sometimes the great managers in the game, the people who've got the great reputations, haven't brought everybody with them. Like Clough. Absol- absolutely mm. right. They don't bring everybody with them. Sometimes those people go by the wayside because they, they either don't go into this message, as it were, or whatever you're trying to... You, whatever you're trying to so instill. does Roy bring people with him as a person? I think Roy brings people with so him. So Roy would be the right man for the job if Kenny goes? I think that he would have... A, uh, I think that... Uh, well, let me put it this way. Having worked with him here... I, I, if somebody asked me would I be in the voting system absolutely there are a couple of other candidates as well too who might might, uh, okay. might have a go we're not wishing any ill will on Stephen Kenny the fact of the matter is he hasn't delivered would Roy Keane get the job if Roy was offered it would Roy Keane take it maybe would Martin O'Neill take it again if he was offered it well first of all I, I, I won't be offered the job for a start and, why uh, I, I, listen I, I loved I loved uh, most of the, my time there most of my time, we qualified for the Euros, and that was that was f- absolutely fantastic. And uh, and even in France, when we were when we felt like p- uh, training with the side for a, quite a number of days together, that's the only time that you actually feel like a club side. You know that you feel as if you can actually work with the team. So we had a number of weeks um, in preparation for that. There, what which did you was enjoy? Fantastic. What part of your time you didn't enjoy? The latter stages of the uh, of the. We didn't qualify for. Um, we on the back of the Euros. My contract was extended. My my contract at at uh, Republic of Ireland depended on the team qualifying for the Euros in 2016. So as a consequence of us qualifying for it, my contract with it, which I was delighted to take, was was automatic. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have got one. I probably wouldn't have done. But my contract was dependent on that. There, as you're you're in the results business, so you have to get some results. So then we um, we're in the World Cup qualifying. We're four seeds in a group. We've finished second and we are in the playoffs against, uh, sorry, we beat Wales, in fact, to get into the playoffs. So we're playing against Denmark. We've drawn the first game in Copenhagen, nil-nil. Expectation very, very high. We're, tra- we're a goal in front. Um, um, I must say Ericsson uh, was absolutely fantastic that evening. Uh, we can see two goals a minute before half time. We're two one down. And uh, so make some changes in the second half and we're well and truly beaten in the game. 5-1. Well, well beaten. But it was actually in a playoff for to get to the World Cup. It was considered by the, the Irish press as a complete disaster. In fact, I was actually asked, was this a sackable offence after uh, on the, the immediate aftermath of the uh, of the playoff match? And therefore, and as a consequence then, the following, we played in that... Um, that competition called the um, the Nations League, which is nobody knew the rules of that at the time, <laughs> and I'm not even sure they know the rules now. No. But n- not to realise that you could still make it to the uh, you could make it to the Euros even if you didn't win a game for a number of matches. In fact, Stephen Kenny's first game in charge was actually in a playoff semi-final playoff game, so he you know so it's like a, a free pass for him. So from that viewpoint, that 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 was disappointing. But overall. Really, really fantastic. Loved it. Loved working with the players. Mm. And this idea, this idea that somebody just galvanises a side and gets them to play for their country, most players, most players, the vast majority of players, do actually want to play for the country of their birth. I'm That's sure. That's really as simple sure. as this. But are you saying, Martin, if you don't have the Irish media with you, you don't get the job? And you, it doesn't the, help. and you wouldn't have the Irish media with you? I certainly didn't have the Irish media with me. Because they're against no, you. No, no question about that. They're okay, listen, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not 
entirely blameless in this here, you know. I think they thought that I was rather arrogant, you know. And as Brian Clough once said to me, uh, son, you're very arrogant with nothing to be arrogant about. So I think there is something in that. But overall, the results that we had would suggest, you know, that, you know, that we had done, we had done you know, pretty well. Yeah. The Republic of Ireland, in their history, have qualified for six competitions, three World Cups, three European Championships. That's it. That's it. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I, at least I qualified for one of them. Did you have a better pool of talent than Kenny's got? Uh, well, I, I, I think that that's a, a debatable point. At the end of the day, we didn't have that many players. Uh, Seamus Coleman's probably the one that was playing, uh, playing. Um, every single week in the in the Premier League, we didn't have a lot of uh, Premier League players playing, but the players improved, and I uh, I am eternally grateful for the effort that they put in. And the, some of the younger players, like Rob uh, Robbie Brady and Jeff Hendry, no question that they got moves into the bigger leagues because of what they did for for the Republic of Ireland, rather than what they were doing at club level. Mm. But they were terrific for me. And Robbie Brady, Brady was um, his goal against Italy for us to get into the last 16 of the Euros was just fantastic. Anyway, listen, I seem as if I'm wandering on here. If if I'm back to the business of results, you've got to win football matches. I don't care what league you're in, what yeah. you're doing, yeah. you've got to win. Yeah. And if you're not winning football games, you're going to be under pressure. The Republic of Ireland would have been expecting to have done better than picking up three points yeah. from, from the I know you've got games. nothing against him, but should it be time up for Stephen Kenny? I don't know. It's time up. That's, that's, not, that's not a decision for no, me. No, but Martin, you're, but you're a Republic of but, Ireland but, fan no, but as here's well. My, no, here's my point. I think that Stephen... I think that Stephen underestimated the job that you have to do at international football. I think he underestimated. I think he thought he had this idea of plan of we're going, going, uh, we're going to change change the way that the Republic of Ireland play. You know, as if as if every single time that we got the ball, myself and Roy Keane uh, asked them to boot it up the pitch for about 100 yards. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Back to Euros qualification tomorrow night. England hosts Italy. Uh, that's a proper match, isn't it? It puts Friday night, England, Australia, um, very much in the background. Paint and watching it dry springs to mind. Um, but the captain on the night, uh, Henderson, Jordan Henderson, being booed by a section of the fans when he was substituted on the hour mark. What do we make of that? What did Gareth Southgate make of that? I really don't understand it. He's a player who, I think, 79 caps now for England. His commitment and um, what he's delivered for England is exceptional. His role within the group on and off the pitch is uh, phenomenally important. He's the one that, you know, has taken the likes of Jude Bellingham under his wing as soon as he came in the squad. Provides brilliant role model for all of the group. Do you think, for example, that maybe him promoting the Saudi Arabian bid for the 2034 World Cup might have had an impact in fans' minds? I don't really know where we're heading with everything. I'm hugely impressed with the impeccable um, values and uh, decisions that everybody in our country is making then. Yeah, clearly, yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. I know what's created it and I know why it's happened, but it defies logic to me that you would give a player who's playing and putting his heart and soul into playing for England, why, why, why boo him? How is that going to help him or help the team? So Gareth is saying on one hand, I know where it's coming from and I know why it's happening. 
but it baffles me. I mean, what is he saying there, Simon? Um, well, he's saying that people don't necessarily agree with the principles of a hypocrite. Somebody that evaluates and espouses the world and what their view is and how they're supporting a particular community and then completely compromises that by taking the path of least resistance, the one that suits them best. So that's and why they burn them. And then making him England captain. Your reward for having double standards, your reward for being a hypocrite, your reward for being in a substandard league is to be England captain. You have to understand, Gareth, you opened this door. You opened this door for sports stars like the England footballers to constantly be asked to opine on things, to, set, to tell the world of what their view on is. Now you want to close it. You wanted to close it three or four months ago when you talked about it, the idea of people, well, we're just footballers, not politicians. Well, rewind it seven, eight, nine, ten months when you were lecturing the world about how you thought the world should be looking at certain things. The challenge is, of course, always the ever-moving or ever-moving argument about what sport should be and how it should be leveraged. I don't want to see an England player booed. But we can't have it both ways. We can't say two years ago, ah, the one thing missing from football during COVID is the fans. And then when the fans come back in and start voicing their opinion, say, well, I don't know what you're on about because you're not entitled to an opinion. They don't appreciate it. They don't appreciate. And he's right to say, because we say it here, we haven't cracked it in this country. When we went over to Qatar, the first thing I said was, whilst I don't agree with the principles of their society, their society evolves at the pace that it does. Who are we? to lecture the rest of the world. Well, we make a bleeding good job of it, including the England captain he put on the pitch. So what do you expect? You expect people to say, that's fine, go on, and he holds, he embodies all the values that we want. He represents a community, goes out on a limb to say that he represents them. Any skin in the game, son? No. Etar, uh, you take a yellow card. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not taking any skin in the game. It's nonsense, and that's why people don't want it. That's why people are not having it. Do I think it's admirable to boo somebody? No. But do I understand why they've done it? Well, of course I do. You get it. You get it, Martin. Uh, exactly. Uh, Simon has just explained it. That is absolutely correct. As a manager, you want, you're want you going into press conferences and you want to try and protect the player. Of course you do. But when you're meeting a situation like this here, uh, it was almost inevitable that he was going to get booed because <clears> of all the points that Simon has just made. And therefore, so, you know, you, you don't want it to happen. But it's going to it's going to happen, and there's I'm sorry because there's a, quite a number of people at a game. You're not going to be able to go out onto the middle of the field and please, please don't boo the player now that he has uh, he's been made captain in the side. It was going to be it was inevitable, and it happened. Would you have been more realistic in your answer than Gareth was there? I like this. Oh wait a minute, hold on. I've done plenty of interviews afterwards where I've uh, you know I thought to myself, hmm, uh, that didn't go down too well. So. Uh, you know, what I'm saying, I could understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to protect the player because the player's been terrific for him in terms of the games that he's played. He's made him captain of the side. But as Simon mentioned, he's exposed him in that sense that he's yeah. going to get the criticism. Yeah. But regardless of whether he was captain, he was going to get some sort of criticism anyway for this the This is out of the Marcel O'Neill playbook, though. This is a manager looking at the world going, sod it, I'm going to do what I want. And I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going to pl placate the media or be, or be balancing my thinking. There was no need besides the fact mm. that Jordan Henderson is his... When Harry Kane's not playing, he's the captain. And you've decided to make him captain directly after he's moved to a substandard league on the back of comments that he's made, the hypocrisy that people have pulled him up for. And, of course, he's out there campaigning for a World Cup in 2034. All of that was unnecessary. It would have been wiser, perhaps... There was no need for him to play in that game. It would have been wiser, perhaps, to insulate him from it. Why should he have to? Because this is what happens. And if you don't want this to happen, then don't put him in the way of it. And if it does happen, 
don't cry about it. Right. You guys mm. brought this upon yourselves. Yeah. You've now got it. You say, well, look, whilst I don't agree with it, I can understand to some extent the fans' view, but I can tell you this lad is a top footballer, top professional that does his best for his country and then move on. So when, well, when Southgate says, Simon, he's a role model in the squad, I don't understand it. He really does. Well, he understands. Of course he understands, unless he's been living under a rock. He understands why people have the reaction. He understands the hypocrisy and the double standards. This is why, tragically, you do not open this can. You cannot have the George Orwell speech that some animals are more equal than others, right? You have to have it on the basis of what you believe in and what you think is the... And then you have to be prepared to commit yourself to it. And they don't want to. So people that are looking at it going... Well, and there's natural tribalism because people want to look at a player that they may not mm. like or think that ultimately mm. shouldn't be in the side, and then they weaponise that too. Yeah. But you can't keep putting professional sportsmen into the world of geopolitics and societal travails yeah. and expect them to have the substance May, that other people might have. Go, or the only thing I was going to answer, so you were saying to him the best thing for him was to pull them out of that particular game. But let's say coming up now on, uh, is it tomorrow, tomorrow evening? Tomorrow yeah, evening. Italy. He... He may want to play him in that game against Italy, and therefore he might be subjected to the same sort of criticism well, but, again. But Kane will be back on the field. Yeah, Kane yeah. will be the captain. Yeah. It cannot be the reward for you to be exposing certain values. The Be careful what kind of leaders you're producing mm. here. You want men of substance mm. and character, stand by their mm. word. Not, I, oh, yes, he can put his arm around Jude mm. Bellingham. So what? Mm. You want people to have the standards of society that ultimately represent the good things, not the fair mm. weather, flaky, what's in it for me mentality. Mm. Right. I'm sure he's a decent fella. Mm. I'm sure that when he when he initiated this campaign to be able to raise money for the national health that nobody asked him to do so they could avoid the pay cut that all the players got didn't want to have during COVID and everyone portrayed them as a hero, I'm sure he's wonderful. Mm. Not in my book, not okay. with that nonsense, no. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl & Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Yuffie X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mopmaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Now, Rose Simon, as you will be well aware, began last week after the FA failed to light up 
the Wembley Arch in the colours of the Israel flag after the killing of a, a host of civilians by Hamas last weekend. And it was lit previously for victims of attacks in France, in Belgium, in Turkey and in Ukraine, but not on this occasion. So, Simon, where are we with this? After holding itself up as the moral arbiter of social and political issues, was there almost an inevitability that football would eventually walk itself into a moral quandary here? Well, of course. Um, whilst I was away, I read a brilliant article written by Richard Littlejohn about this particular subject matter and about the challenges about the challenges that, that I had with sport dipping its toe in, choosing its causes, working out what it thinks is important, how little skin does it have to put in the game. And he uses examples that I happen to concur with. You know, he uses the example of taking the knee where someone tragically was murdered 4,000 miles away and all of a sudden everyone in this country has got to take the knee on a principle of something that I don't think football or sport should have to deal with. I maintain the view. It's not a popular view in certain people's minds, and those are the minds of the activists and people that have agendas, is that sport... It might be a naive view now, given the nature of the way that society seems to think that sport needs to be leveraged this way, that sport should be for sport. And then it doesn't walk itself backwards into these conundrums. It doesn't walk itself into scenarios of geopolitical tensions or societal issues around the value of what sport should be used for. Sport was built and created for something else, not for those that wish to harness. It's becoming almost like... Um, agenda, 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 tragedy, uh, 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 you know, uh, denotion of something. Oh, yes, and we'll have a side order of sport with that too. And I feel quite strongly, I know people use the example, oh, well, hang on a second, you'll be for the poppy. Poppy's a very different animal. Poppy was something about the liberation of everybody, the freedom of the oppression around the world, irrespective of ethnicity, culture, creed, sexual persuasion, whatever. These sort of things, I think that the, the football establishment, the various... Uh, governing bodies of sport would be well served staying away from because ultimately there's a lack of consistency. There is also uh, a, a scenario of people don't really understand why they're involved in it, don't really understand the principles behind it to some extent. And the FA have shown their colours in this instance because, you know, from the point of view of deciding that there was potential jeopardy attached to this, so we're not going to do this. That's why they shouldn't have done it for the Ukrainian situation. That's why they shouldn't have done it for other situations. It should simply be sport for sport's sake. We'll get back to the poppy situation in a moment. The, the FIFA president Infantino last week, Martin, in a letter seen by Sky, called for the immediate end of hostilities <laughs> and for the immediate relief of the suffering of people of both Israeli and Palestine. He says football can uh, be bring a light of hope where there appears to be only darkness ahead. Is this an example of football overreaching what it believes it can achieve? In, in business, it doesn't really have anything to do with them. Geopolitical uh, uh, <clears throat> matters. Um, absolutely. I mean, this idea that you feel as if that you can uh, you can change the world by having a, a couple of football games and feel that that, that there's a just nothing but a feel good factor about football. It's 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 a crazy notion. And for Infantino to come in and say, you know, stop all uh, hostilities just like that, there, it's just it's 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 ridiculous, really. The point that Simon's made is a very very good point. They should have, the FA should have stayed out of these things because somewhere along the way, whether it be in two months' time or six months' time or a year's time, they're going to come up with something, as it's just arrived here, just at this very minute, that is going to be unbelievably confrontational and that they're going to find themselves in a bit of trouble. My own particular view, for what it's worth, is that I think uh, when um, 
when the attack took place, first of all, and the Jews, and it was a shocking attack. There's yeah. no question about Absolutely. it. Really shocking attack. Then, and of course, Israel have absolutely every single right to protect themselves and and uh, and fight back. Yeah. There's no question about that there. But I think had that in its isolation happened at the time, and then the game come up the following day, I think they would have probably put out. But then what's happened is the, uh, the situation in Gaza has become so incredibly entrenched, really, at the end of it, and that they had to they had to withdraw and sit back. Now, here's my point. I think. Uh, like Simon, they shouldn't be, but almost inevitably that, that football sport, in a sense, is automatically associated with. And I think the message might go way back to about 1968, when one of the most powerful messages ever, Olympics, yeah. really, yeah. was when, when um, Tommy Smith mm. and, uh, and his compatriot, Carlos, Carlos, I think it was, yeah. Carlos, had the black part. It was so, so powerful, it was untrue. And I think that you, you felt that, that sport and politics were going to be, were going to be entwined yeah. forevermore. And that was me. But we saw the worst example. I mean, and I know this is very sensitive territory. If we ever saw a reason why sports and politics should never be intertwined, we mm. saw that in the 1936 Olympics, by the way that the Nazis propagandized what they felt that they should impart the world with. Absolutely. So if we ever saw an example to the polar opposite of that, yes. yeah. people like Gianni, Ar Gianni Armfantino have got this Napoleon complex or this idea about where they think they are in the world. I don't know if he thinks he's in some sort of Vatican state mm -hmm. and has got the Swiss Guard that's going to implement his wishes. Yeah. There's nothing, you know, I think we know where his allegiances have been over the last two or three years. In in terms of his relationships with Middle Eastern countries that have caused us to have a little bit of concern about where he's positioning himself. Again, look, I understand... Are you saying lighting up the Ukrainian flag on the Wembley Arch was wrong then? I'm saying if you're playing against Ukraine in the game, I get it, but where does this stop? Where does it stop? When we were in the European Championships recently and we saw the Germans decide that they wanted to light up the Allianz Stadium with LGBT colours because the Hungarians had introduced new legislation in their country that they didn't want homosexuality taught in schools. Now, it's deplorable, right? And we accept that that's a backward society. But why in bleeding hell does football feel that it needs to ride on in and set itself up as the moral arbiter and also the judgment and also the position of creating influence? We are in a society where we can we can find out and form our views and we can open the window and we can see what's going on we can turn on 24-hour rolling news and evaluate our opinion surely we want sports to isolate us away from sometimes the dreadful challenges that the world brings and give us what it was created for in the first place which was a, re a, a removal from the challenges of life and an enjoyment but you make an exception for the poppy and the jersey well i tell you why i make an exception i make an argument for that it's because that has a very different connotation i know that there'll be certain sections of society not I, know, I was going to say not I know, everybody I, thinks i know that. that the james McLeans of the world will pop up and make their view and perhaps have social media pictures that they wish they'd never put out of themselves which are rather immature things to do but when we look at the 1914-18 war the 1939-45 war which was the liberation of everybody without persuasion without bias without sexuality ethnicity or any of those things it has a far different feel to it than the scenario where geopolitics and the tragedies of the world and societal ills are being pushed into people through sport i understand that people may have a different view on that you managed james mclean he had a very different view didn't he martin yes he did yeah, but James McLean has, uh, I, I disagree with Simon in this way, James McLean, I don't know about what was sent out in social media. I wasn't uh, into that there. But James McLean took a stance on the Pompey. Balaclavas and, and guns, Martin. But he took a stance on the Pompey. And then, uh, sorry? Balaclavas and guns. What were? That's what James McLean put out on social media. Oh, I do it, right, okay. But James McLean, 
that this is what he felt at the time, and I'm sure he still feels the same, and he refused to wear the poppy, and that is entirely his decision. Absolutely. And that's right. And too. That yeah. is absolutely right. That is his decision to do that there. And James McLean, as a person that I know, McLean realised that he was going to take an awful lot of abuse, not only from away fans after that there, but from home fans and things that you see here, and yet he was prepared to, 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 to do that. Mm. James McLean, as a person, has more courage in his little finger than I have in my whole body, believe it or not, honestly. And he took the stance and knowing what the... What what was going to happen in the future, and it did, and it, and something that I, I'm not so sure whether I would have been brave enough look to take a stand. I mean, like, talking to Martin's point earlier on about the point that the FA walked themselves backwards into problems. Mm. I mean, this is an organisation that latched upon BLM three years ago, latched upon it. Now mm. this organisation is running around putting people, uh, putting images up of the hang gliders coming in that yeah. were the Palestinian or the Hamas. Uh, coming into Israel because they've walked themselves into that backwards because yes. they don't know what they're doing and they've got a, a chief executive the other day that felt it was important before the Women's World Cup final mm -hmm. to yeah. discuss the fact that the potential of the next England manager would be Serena Wegman. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. What we're doing at this stage in the proceedings is just taking a look back at that fight at the weekend. KSI... YouTuber against uh, Tommy Fury of Yes, the Fury Boxing family. Um, Spencer Oliver joins Mark, myself and Simon this lunchtime. Spence, good afternoon to you. Andy Townsend on breakfast this morning We're saying what an absolute joke of an event. I was one of the idiots that paid 20 quid for it. <laughs> They've got gloves on, but it certainly isn't boxing. Uh, even after the fight, we had a corrected judge's scorecard. One of the judges gave it a draw. They added up again. It was 57-56. It was then a unanimous decision, and it went in Fury's, in Fury's favour. What do you make of it? And what do you make of the fact that, like it or not, live and talk sport, it had a live stream audience of 2.4 million. I know. Insane. The numbers were absolutely insane. Shows the appetite for it. But look... We've got to understand that there's a home for this, right? It's you've got your professional boxing and you've got this. This is white collar boxing at its best, if I'm totally honest. It's it's um it's great entertainment. I think the build up's great. Sometimes they go too far with what they're doing, but I understand it because it's all about the numbers for them. It's all about numbers, clickbait, etc. etc. So they get carried away sometimes with all the build up, but that's the world that they live in. But as an event, it was great, you know. It, I think the, the event was great. The two main events were not so great. I mean, at the end of the day, Sammy, you cannot argue with that 2.4 million. Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I stumbled on past it as I was going to the toilet. I wish I'd stayed in the toilet um, <laughs> and watched it. But I actually watched it with some friends of mine's sons. Did you uh, pay for it? No. No. Be honest. Simon. I didn't. No, absolutely not. In Would the same way that I, I wouldn't watch Conor Bennett at this moment in time because he I just. Like paid for it, didn't I didn't. <laughs> I most certainly didn't. Um, it was a pirate sequel, actually. Um, but. Um, I but I watch these young lads, these 19, 20 year olds, and they're absolutely all over it. Mm. And they're and and they look at these KSIs of the world. Even mm. my daughter, who's sixteen, likes KSI, and I'm watching mm. it going. I see nothing in it. I see the commercials. I understand that it's a different space. I understand, but I, what I don't like is the Tommy Furies of the world crossing over from the boxing world. That's the part they want to fight yeah. amongst themselves. They yeah. want to knock themselves to Palookaville, fill their mm. boots, right? When you start hearing Jake Paul going, "I'm going to go in against Canelo Alvarez." It starts to make me feel this is ridiculous. But when you see the auditorium, you see Kalasal and Gerland and his, and his 
brother sitting next to him and Chris Eubank Jr. sitting there mm. and boxing, the boxing world looking at it because they see a pound note in it. It is what it is. But for me as a person that enjoys boxing and enjoys the sport of boxing mm -hmm. and really values the authenticity of it, this is WWE. Yeah. yeah. This I, think is the, I think the problem we've got, the boxing yeah. purists are upset about it. Boxing's the umbrella of what they're doing here. It is a big event. They have cages to start. And they, the boxing you know, they've, they've reinvented themselves. because there's a new kid in the block and it's them. Absolutely. Yeah, well, listen, it's not like they're taking over, but we got must understand that. Maybe, like I say, aren't they? No, they're not taking over. There's a home for this. It's something totally different. You know, if you, the numbers if you love your boxing. Are. Yeah, because that's the younger generation. That's what I'm saying. The younger generation, the YouTubers, that they, they all grow up. They all grow up like my kids did. I'm sure yours did as well, Simon. They don't grow up watching TV. They don't watch EastEnders and Coronation Street, etc. They, they watch YouTube and these people like true. so true. I was going up on a train I was on the train with some kid who I didn't have a clue he was we started talking he's a big YouTuber he's from the States coming over to try and get a fight so I'm thinking he says oh yeah I'm so so I'm trying to get this fight with Tommy Fury or whatever didn't know he was asked my sent my daughter a picture she's like oh my god who's this guy Why, how are you getting on the train with him like they are superstars in their own rights the thing that but that really burns my backside metaphorically speaking yes uh, as we mentioned toilets was the idea that these are not guys... Tommy Fury is not the best in class. And these guys are getting paid enormous amounts of money mm. to be very mediocre at what they're doing. And I like to see talent, real talent, mm. get rewarded rather than mediocrity being the case. So I, I watch it. I turn it on and I see this this fat Filipino kid, right, that looks like Salt he should be doing, should, should be doing gangler style, right, <laughs> getting punched around a ring <laughs> by the, probably the most hideous man I've ever laid eyes he on. He lost four stones going into that... <laughs> He lost four stone going into that fight, and I think well, that was the problem. Well, Where he lost the weight, he, was, yeah. he got punched around by a guy called Slim, who was tall. Here's the thing: KSI, sure, in a very good fitness state himself, yeah. trained hard for the fight. Yeah, yeah. Looks like a fighter. Tommy Fury, the same. Mm -hmm. Two point four million. I know. Watching a live stream, they will get more headlines, Simon, than the likes of Aziz Boatsy this weekend. Yeah. Yes. That is indeed and, and, true. And surely that is a problem for the purists so what, to get their heads around. I suppose I suppose the question is, so what lessons do the boxers learn from it? What what can they well, take from it? Is it about self-promotion? It, it's like yeah. it's the next generation of promoters have got to digitally market their fighters better. That's right, they've got yeah. to bring them to an audience. They've got to accept that linear broadcasting isn't the only way to go. Years ago, you saw Frank Warren trying to break out, but the Fox Box Nation side of things, trying to build a content model. You look at the zone as a concept principle, which is basically the perfect home for this sort of scenario because it's a digitally based app-driven business I, anyway. I think yeah. that this misfits boxing actually has actually saved his own I would from think falling so. out yeah. of boxing because of yeah. the numbers that they're turning around. I think that yeah. was the 10th show. But they're the ones, if you look at, the, like I say, the pay-per-view model that they've set up, 20, 20 pounds, I think they've broke all records. They've, they've done over a million and a half views. That's more than Joshua, say, Klitschko. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say, will we see a rematch? Of course we'll see I don't, a rematch. I don't resent, I don't resent these kids and these YouTubers. I don't think, I don't think they're YouTubers, they're broadcasters. They're, these are guys that are prepared to go and fight and make some money for themselves. But what I do look at it and go is that it's not what other people are... When I see Canelo being indexed to it. When I see Floyd Mayweather, I'm looking at it going, okay, does everything have to be about rewarding this kind of mediocrity and it all is about the pound note? Of course I understand the value of money. Christ, I understand the value of money. Mm. But I also think, for me personally, looking at boxing, I look at it through the eyes of seeing authenticity and integrity behind it. I look at this and I think, it's WWE. Yeah. I, I, I admire Vince McMahon. You know, I think they've done a wonderful thing. 
but it's choreographed. This isn't mm-hmm. choreographed, but it isn't the real deal. And I think that there's a space for both. And the purists don't have to get the knickers in a twist, mm. but there is this crossover between people like Tommy Fury that are making out like bandits without being the real deal. Mm. Back to Love Island for you. It ended you. with a brawl in the ring. I mean, was it a choreographed brawl? Probably, mm. yeah. It, listen, I think it ended. I think you had Logan Paul was Logan Paul was boxing, wasn't he? He was boxing guy Dylan Dennis, who's a, a UFC star, MMA star, whatever. <laughs> but all he done, off. yeah, but all he done, Dylan, was he come over here and, and there'd been a lot of this. online beef between the two. He come, it, uh, but he's a UFC star. I actually predicted before the fight he will get he'll lose by disqualification because the kid couldn't fight. Logan was like, you know, there was this online abuse. He didn't want to go out by losing, deb- so he got disqualified. I don't know why we're yeah. debating with this little toad for because he was in. Part responsible for these people. He's behind the idea behind KSI. Yeah. So yeah. sitting there with a gormless grin on his face. <laughs> I this? assume he's referring to you. <laughs> yeah. See this? See this? Abuse that I take part in. This is, what, this is a regular Spencer, occurrence. Be, before you do leave us, uh, or sort of uh, bound out of the room, if you are a little hop out, yeah. hop <laughs> out. Um, John Fury, um, father of Tyson's role in all of this. Oh wow. Where, where has he got well, to? Where, where because any time I look at social media and John Fury's on it, he's either chucking something at somebody, he's screaming something at well, somebody. I think on Thursday, <laughs> from Thursday at the Greenwood Square. So, I mean, was that <laughs> was that a bad word to use? Yes, dumb. Yeah, well, it is. What it is. Apparently, um, he got his bottom he, out. Yes, he bo- his they? backside. Yeah. Uh, so, which, um, yeah. Where does he sit in it all? Like, like he's creating a he's creating a role for himself. I think he's becoming a star in his own right, doing what he's doing, um, mm. and that's the world mm. we live in, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, will there be a rematch? No doubt. I think that we'll see Jake Paul in with Tommy Fury next. I know Tommy was talking about now wanting to focus back on boxing, but how can you do that, right? When you look at Tommy Fury and you go, is he even British title level at the moment? No. Probably not. And you go, so if you look at that and the money that he'll earn, he'll go in and he'll yeah. box Jake Paul and he'll earn the best part yeah. of five million quid. Yeah. Where would you go? Well, the thing is, they will just come back to us and say, all right, we hear what you're saying. Do we get an audience? Mm. And the answer to that is yes. Yeah. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash news ad free. That's Amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.